Welcome to The Healing Catalyst. I'm your host, Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh, and I know that Ayurveda can transform your life. How? Because it transformed mine. And the best part is, it's easier than you think. Your body has exactly what it needs to heal itself. All you need to do to enhance its healing power is to start practicing healthy routines, which I can teach you. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple, ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. Let's get started. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 39. Well, hello, my beautiful community, my beautiful listeners, my beautiful friends. Well, we're rolling right into the holidays, aren't we? And into December and rounding out this year and what a year 2021 has been. The roller coaster that we've been on in the past 12 months has been nothing short of exhausting. I don't know about you, but I really need some rest, which brings me to the intention for December. Heal with rest because we can't keep running on empty, just like a car can't run without gas. Neither can we. We need energy. Speaking of energy, before we dive into today's episode, I want to invite you to an encore session of the Energy Reset Masterclass on Thursday, December 9th at 6 p.m. Central. During the masterclass, I'll teach you how to do an Ayurvedic mind-body-spirit reset from the comfort of your own home, which will help you jumpstart your health goals for 2022. There's still time to sign up, so I hope that you'll join me. Check the notes for the link to register. Okay, getting back to today's episode. The topic of rest was at the center of my conversation with my guest, Colleen Wachub, on today's episode of the podcast. Colleen is the co-CEO of Mind Body Green, a leading independent brand dedicated to wellness. Mind Body Green reaches 10 million people globally every single month through their written content, podcasts, events, and video classes. The company's 360-degree approach to wellness incorporates mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and environmental well-being. And I've had the great joy of contributing to their amazing platform with articles and education on Ayurveda, which I feel aligns in every way possible with the mission and the approach of Mind Body Green. In our conversation today, Colleen shares her healing story of being faced with a life-threatening pulmonary embolism and how this event catalyzed her healing. She talks about leaving a rising corporate career in the apparel industry with some of the biggest producers of mass consumer products, The Gap, Walmart, Amazon, you get the idea. And instead, she joined her husband at Mind Body Green, his at the time small health and wellness startup. On the episode, Colleen and I discussed the difference between sleep and rest and why preparing for rest actually starts in the morning. Colleen also shares her perspective on sleep hygiene and gives us a look into her daily routine that incorporates rest throughout the day. 
I know that you'll leave this episode with practical tools and tips. So make sure you have some paper and a pen handy. Colleen, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to talk to you again. We've talked before, but we get to do it again. So I'm excited that you're here. Thank you for joining me. Thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. So there's so many things that I want to talk to you about. Everything from your own healing story to, you know, a lot of your own perspective on different health issues. Specifically, I know sleep and rest is a big one that you talk about that has really sort of transformed your life. But then also to talk about this amazing company that you and your husband have started well, a while ago, it's not started, but have been working on um, Mind Body Green because I think that it's just so amazing what you guys are doing. So there's so many topics. So we're going to jump in, but let's start from the beginning. Who are you as a kid? Tell me about your childhood and your growing up years. Well, I, I do think it's all connected. So I'm, I'm glad we're starting there. So I grew up uh, in Southern California and was spent a lot of my time either in the pool or on the tennis court, did a ton of sports and, you know, felt like I learned so many life lessons there. And growing up in Southern California, there's just this undercurrent of, you know, kind of healthy living, even though the words wellness never kind of crossed my mind uh, during that phase of life. You're outside a lot, you're getting vitamin D, um, you know, playing sports is typically done outside. It just feels like a really, you know, place where there's a foundation to be healthy, a little bit different than where I am right now in, in, in Brooklyn, New York, where I think you have to be a little bit more intentional about it. But, you know, that those elements of healthy living were kind of always embedded in, in my life there. Um, and then went to college in, in California, Northern California. And then after graduation, um, I worked at a series of very, very large companies. So spent about 10 years at Gap Inc., Walmart, and Amazon uh, before fully devoting you know, my life's work to Mind Body Green 13 years ago. And you know, I think all of these stories are connected because, like, you know, so many people, I was struggling with my life's purpose and maybe you know, wasn't connected to what I was doing in the fashion and apparel world. Um, and really struggling with that, like so many people do, you know, that quarter life crisis thing is a is a real thing. And, you know, when I look back, I wish I could have been a lot more patient with myself, um, you know, in terms of finding a mission and a career that aligned with my passion, and maybe not even have had such a lofty ambition, because there, there was a lot of life skills that are you know, applicable for the work that we do at Mind Body Green that I was able to learn along the way. But the the massive inflection point for me in terms of kind of evolving my career um, happened in in 2012 when I had a pulmonary embolism. And that was, you know, the really big cosmic, you know, kick in the butt. I'm sure there was a lot of whispers along the way from my body that I probably, you know, gently ignored, pushed aside. And that was the one that really caused me to, to re-examine my life. And I had been on, on birth control pills for like a decade and had done a ton of flying um, while on birth control pills. But after a quick flight to Miami, a flight I do somewhat regularly, about three times a year, I started noticing, you know, some swelling in my leg and was like, oh, I must have just like done something at that TRX class I did. And you know, course, like, you know, I think a lot of people, especially women, the instinct can be to dismiss a symptom and, you know, not take it as seriously. 
And I also wasn't excited about, you know, going to a doctor. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I dismissed it. And then I was coming out of a yoga class on, on a Saturday morning, Tara Styles yoga class that I, I love so much. And I was like, you know, honey, I'm having some trouble breathing. Do you mind meeting me in the city? You know, never had made that request to my husband. And he met me in the city. We took the subway home and I was walking up the subway stairs and just collapsed and got back up shortly after, um, you know, my husband's like, we're calling the doctor now. <laughs> Again, my instinct, unfortunately, uh, was dismissive and just was like, oh, I don't really want to go to the, uh, the ER on a really pretty sunny day. Um, and my doctor was like, oh, you know, if you walk around the block, feel okay, like keep on monitoring it. But come Monday morning, my husband was like, you are not going to work unless you go to the doctor. So went to the doctor, they did some, you know, quick uh, measurements. And he was like, get in a, I think back, that was a taxi time. We didn't have Uber yet. So, or Mm -hmm. still getting, so I got in a taxi to the NYU ER where, you know, within a few short hours, they were like, you know, we have never really seen someone with so many clots in their lungs. So you're very lucky to be here and spend some time in the ER and, you know, a, a long recuperation journey to be able to feel like myself and, uh, that I could go about life again in a way that, you know, I didn't feel like I was compromised from a pulmonary standpoint or out of breath or out of energy. So, um, it was it was an interesting time too, because it's, you look fine on the outside. And so no one really sees the strain, you know, if you're on the subway and, you know, I would get short of breath, not just from walking, but just because, you know, there's lower lung capacity, you know, when you're below ground and, you know, you look fine on the outside, but there was just a lot of emotions and things going on with me physiologically that wasn't super apparent. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we just covered all like so many years from childhood. So let's go back for a second. So you said you grew up in California, Southern California, you said? I think. Yeah. Okay. And that sort of like a healthy lifestyle was just the lifestyle. It was the way of living. Was that something that was um, in your family as well? Or was it more of an environmental thing? Like, was that how your family functioned as well? Yeah. I mean, my, my family would never have used the words wellness um, growing up a child of the eighties and nineties. But, you know, my dad was a technical ice climber and, you know, climbed big mountains and, you know, really, you know, challenged himself physically. And my mom, you know, would, would cook and prioritize good, real food. Um, and, you know, rarely shopped kind of the, the boxes of the supermarket, but again, she would never use those words. But I, I think for me, sports and being outside and playing was just such a formative part of my childhood. And I think about it now so much when I have, um, you know, two little girls, um, age two and four, as you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, when we think about kind of our values of how we want to raise, um, our girls, sports played such a formative role in my development and, you know, learn my best life lessons, you know, winning and losing. And and also for my husband. And I think, you know, that was just a place where you're naturally exposed to movement. You learn a lot about mental toughness and resilience. And and now we're also starting to learn more about kind of like, you know, when that can go too extreme with a lot of the the athletes who come out with, you know, being very transparent and honest about the mental health struggles they're undergoing. But for me personally, it was such a great place to learn a lot of life lessons and kind of to stir that initial pot of an interest in health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And so how did that translate, you know, when you went off to college? So, you know, it's one thing when we're 
home with our parents. Cause you know, there's some similarities in, in what I'm hearing from you is, you know, I grew up in a South Asian family, first generation and Ayurveda was just the way we lived. And so it was very much part of the, you know, my, my ethos, my life, my world. Right. And then I went off to college and things changed. Did that happen to you at all? Like when you went off to, to Stanford? Yeah. So some things change for the good and some things mm-hmm. <laughs> change for the um, So I, I think athletics is, you know, a huge part of Stanford's um, DNA. So sure. that part of my life continued just in different ways than it had been in like the typical team sport environment in, in high school. But from a nutrition standpoint, you know, I, I realized that I wasn't eating healthy in college. And it was the first time where you know, I was blessed to have a mom who made my breakfast, packed my lunch, um, and made dinner for the family. And I realized how privileged that is. And wow, how much she, she did as I struggled to get my kids out the door, uh, and time <laughs> left to my own devices, I didn't make the best choices. You know, it was the first time I had seen lucky charms and like, mm-hmm. it just wasn't something in our house. Yeah, I think there was a large, you know, education that kind of had to happen, um, both through college, but really deep into my twenties where, you know, at one point in my life, I drank diet Coke, which at this point in life, it's kind of similar to, you know, having a cigarette, just something I would never even consider. And I think there's this big gap in terms of these fundamental life skills, you know, nutrition kind of being at the top of it, but also just mental fitness. Um, and how do we help, you know, teach these skills and, and how to eat? Um, so, so I have a lot of empathy, uh, you know, for the person I was then who was having Diet Coke and, you know, probably many uh, Sour Patch gummy bears or frozen yogurt because I, I really hadn't learned that stuff. And I think once you get exposed to it and you start feeling better, um, you want to go deeper and deeper and, um, you know, start incorporating it into your life where it no longer feels like, oh, I'm being healthy. It's just how you live. But there definitely has to be a, a re-education um, along that journey. <laughs> right. And so you then talked about, you know, your, your early career years in sort of corporate America, right? Um, but that was before the pulmonary embolism, sort of that health challenge that sort of set you in a different path. But tell me about a little bit more about that, you know, that time. Was that was that the hardest time of your life? Was it, you know, what were the challenges with uh, working in corporate America for you? So I think, you know, that there's highs and lows and, um, you know, times of, you know, great enjoyment and times where there was, you know, less satisfaction. And I worked, my first role was at Gap Inc. For, I was probably there for like seven years. And I think the person who started at Gap Inc. was very different than the person, you know, that was ending uh, my time at Gap Inc. Who was, you're getting more and more invested in, in health and well-being. And I think what was great about it was I was able to have a, a social network, able to have work friends. And as we move towards this hybrid slash remote slash who really knows what our work is going to look like in, in the years as they unfold, you know, I, I do worry about this generation of folks who are starting out who don't have that um, work connection and work friends and the ability to get mentorship. Um, because I, I did enjoy that part of it. But when I left my tenure there, I was, you know, I didn't have that same passion um, for health and well-being or for fashion as I did when I started. So it was a time of, you know, the, the Great Recession of 2008, 2009. 
I moved to New York and was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, find that career in health and wellness. And I think being on the West Coast, I might have underestimated the uh, impact of the Great Recession. And, and it felt more acute in, in New York, and I think because it hit the financial sector so hard. And there was just a, like a, a very clear melancholy there um, when, when we moved. So, you know, had grandiose dreams of, okay, this would be when I um, make the full change into health and wellness and, and realized, okay, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Just also at the time, there wasn't a lot of, you know, kind of companies right. to, um, to apply for. So Jason, my husband, um, so this is 2009, um, you know, at that point he was doing Mind Body Green full time and dove straight in. And I was very uh, marketable from a job perspective, even if it was for jobs that I wasn't really passionate about. So I would get a job, just not in health and wellness. And I did that for another four years and kind of carried the family with, you know, paycheck and health insurance and all those things that really are important for for health and well-being um, before I was able to join MindBodyGreen full-time in 2013. And I'll I'll never be the person to say... um, you know, leave your job to to just start your entrepreneurial on a whim because it is always so much uh, longer of a journey than you can anticipate. And I, I do think financial wellness is such an important part of of health and well being. You know, especially as we are thinking and talking more about these matters of mental health. So for for me, that journey, you know, when I look backward, makes makes so much sense. Um, but I, I know there was a lot of kind of internal strife of ah, what I'm doing is lining, and I, I wish I could look back on 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 that woman and, and be a little bit more patient with her, right? About you know finding the path. Yeah, you really talk a lot about the importance of rest and sleep specifically, um, and how that's affected your your health journey, your story. Um, do you, did you always have problems with sleep, like from a, a lo- an early age? Yeah. I remember my first issues with sleep happened in college. And, mm-hmm. um, then like the first time I, I remember an experience of anxiety actually happened when I was at Gap Inc and needed to present, you know, they would do these large line review presentations and, you know, you're presenting in front of a hundred senior executives who are asking, you know, a lot of tough questions. It's not scripted. You don't get the questions in advance. And it was, you know, I had related anxiety and sleep issues kind of related to it. And, um, you know, throughout various times in my life, like, you know, there'd been stressors, but those were like the first two kind of, Oh, this isn't, this isn't normal. This is my, I'm not, kind of in control of the emotions that are coming through in my body. And I, I didn't at those times in life kind of have the right toolkits to deal with, you know, the, what was happening with my, with my body. And I'd say, especially on the sleep side, it's, it's something I've been extraordinarily conscious of um, and something that I have to be extraordinarily intentional and thoughtful about through each part of my day, even though my relationship with sleep has changed um, you know, kind of throughout my life as a woman where there's you know, times in pregnancy where it like a baby. Um, thank you for all that progesterone. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, kind of other struggles uh, related, you know, a lot to parenthood or, or, or um, you know, my, my children's sleep cycles. But it's something that, you know, from that time in my, my early years at college, I've just been extraordinarily intentional and thoughtful about. 
Mm -hmm. And so tell me about, you know, what you've learned about, you know, that relationship between um, sleep, rest, mental health, your anxiety, your emotions, because I think that this is something that a lot of people struggle with is not just sleep specifically, but with the whole concept of rest. I think that in Western culture, our culture is wired and is giving us these messages that we should be doing, 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 doing all the time. And that rest is not necessary, that it's a waste of time, that it, you know, it will inhibit you from reaching your goals and from, you know, doing all the things that you want to do in your life. And I, I feel like it's just this, and even after being in a, in 18 months of a pandemic, I feel like this is still a conversation that we are all having. And it's a concept that so many people struggle with is this idea of rest. And so, you know, tell me, tell me what you, your perspective on that and, and how it's been for you and your, your thoughts on it. Yeah. So I think, you know, sleep fitness is probably one of the most uh, underrated parts of well-being, but I'm so thrilled that it's now becoming part of the forefront where people are starting to prioritize it in the same way that they do their nutrition and their movement. And, you know, this de-glamorization of, oh, I got, I could get by on three or four hours of sleep. You like right. to <laughs> um, And you know, for me, it's about being intentional about literally every part of my day. I don't think if you are, um, if you have problems either falling asleep or staying asleep, I don't think it's something where you can be like, oh, it's nine o'clock. It's now time for my wind down routine. You have to really, you know, think about it throughout, you know, your whole day. So from, you know, the time you wake up, are you waking up at the same time every morning? Are you getting that light exposure? Um, as soon as you wake up so that you're, you know, resetting your internal clock. Um, are you being conscious about, you know, your caffeine intake and, you know, as a very sensitive caffeine consumer, I, I kind of laugh when I see those things about stop caffeine at 2 PM. Oh no, no, no. I need to stop caffeine way sooner. And, you know, probably should, <laughs> should be reevaluating how much caffeine I have, mm-hmm. um, there are some some necessary vices uh, when dealing with two small children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll stop caffeine by about eleven. Um, that's that's probably normal for me. Um, and then also being thoughtful about the exercise that you're doing throughout the day and whether it helps or hurts you from a sleep standpoint. So as you know, I look at all of the the tools in my toolkit of you know what has the biggest impact. Um, on my own well-being, for me, it's sleep far over exercise. So if I have to choose between, you know, getting an extra hour of sleep or doing a morning workout, sleep will always win for me. Um, but when I do work out, um, you know, I believe the best exercise is the one you actually do. So that can take on a lot of different forms. Um, you know, I walk my daughters 25 minutes each way to school, get those steps in, I take the stairs, um, you know, whenever I can. And you know, being in New York, those are really easy things to kind of incorporate, you know, into your life. Um, probably harder in a more suburban area. When I do do a workout, I'm, I'm very intentional about it. I do not thrive. My body doesn't thrive in, you know, an intense kind of cardio workout. Um, it, it's draining to me, but can also sometimes have the adverse effect of uh, stirring my, my body and my thoughts up. So I tend to do better with either more restorative, like yoga, Pilates, 
or a, a strength workout. Um, I really enjoy going to solid core. There's one, you know, near my house and you get a 45 minute strength workout that, um, tires me in a good way, in a restorative way, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Very mm-hmm. different wiry feel I might get after a spinning class. Um, you know, within my family, and I, I know intermittent fasting can be a sensitive topic, um, especially within women, but what has worked naturally within my life is this idea of circadian fasting. Um, as soon as I get home, we have dinner within 15 minutes or else my children will get too squirrely. So you know, the last meal we're having is about 6.30 at night. So every night, really because of family dynamics, I'm, you know, circadian fasting and that's worked really well for, for me. Um, my aura ring has broadened my perspective on the effect of alcohol and my body. So, um, you know, the impact that it will have on my heart rate variability and my sleep score the next day has caused me to drink a lot less alcohol. And if I am going to have alcohol, it's probably going to be more of an, in a day drinking than at like 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I do that feels uh, more fun in, in that regard, I'm a day drinker, I guess, in that regard, but but very conscientious about it because I know that it has such a profound impact on my sleep. And then it, when it comes down to actual, you know, post-sleep and the wind down routine, I, I do wear uh, blue blocking glasses with red lights, um, whether I'm, you know, reading my Kindle or watching television. You know, the one thing I do that's super counterintuitive is we do have a television in our bedroom because it brings me a lot of joy and uh, not something I'm quite willing to part with. Um, but I do watch it with those uh, blue blocking glasses on. And I'm a huge fan of my body green sleep support supplement. It's uh, a non-melatonin version, which for someone like me, that's super hormone sensitive. Um, I found that it works better for my body to help me fall and stay asleep and have my room kept really cool, 67 degrees, regardless of whether it's winter or summer, it's always cool. And we have a really dark blackout curtains. So that was a very long answer, but you know, for mm-hmm. me, sleep kind of starts, you know, the second I wake up and is really embedded into every decision I make. And I know that for me personally, if I'm like, oh, nine o'clock, let me take a sleep, you know, a natural sleep supplement and and fall asleep, that's not that's not enough given how sensitive I am on the sleep curve to both fall and stay asleep. And then I just have to be, you know, extraordinarily thoughtful about every element of my day. Right. So thank you for sharing all that because everything that you said, first of all, those are amazing pearls. So for all the people listening, you want to rewind that and like take notes because everything that Colleen just described is actually in line with Ayurveda. And what I love about what you said is that you're very aware, you're conscious of the fact that you have had issues with sleep and rest and that you, you've seen how it affects your whole system, your, your well-being on every level, mental, spiritual, emotional, physical. And so you've made the conscious decision that that's something you're going to consider from the moment that you wake up in the morning. And it's not just about taking a sleep supplement and having, you know, a nighttime routine, which are, which are very important for rest and sleep. But, but I think the, the pearl that you've just given all of us is that you're really thinking about it from the moment that you wake up and you've designed your life, your day to optimize your rest and your sleep, because you know, it has such a profound effect on your health. 
And so I thank you so much for actually, you know, sharing so much detail about what you do every day, because I think, um, again, every single one of those things is so in line with Ayurveda, everything from, you know, syncing up your circadian rhythm on a daily basis, you know, you're, you're resetting your hormonal release every day by making sure you get that natural sunlight first thing in the morning, whatever you can. Um, and that you are, you know, engaging this in this movement all day long, whether it's just walking or some kind of activity so that you're expending that energy and that you're careful about your alcohol intake and your caffeine intake and what time of the day you're doing that. You're thinking about what kind of exercise you're doing at what time of the day and how it makes you feel. So, you know, I, I just, I, I'm so appreciative of how thoughtful you are about how you're thinking about this and that you shared that with us. So, so thank you. Um, what do you think that you, you've learned through this experience of, of having um, the sleep challenges that you've had? Whoa. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, for me personally, anxiety uh, can be a big part of that struggle to fall asleep. And I've had to um, really be aware of, you know, what those triggers are and how do I better set up boundaries because anxiety is, you know, never going to go away. Um, it's always out there. And I, I think the only thing we can, you know, really control is, is how we respond and react to it. And there's some things that are totally outside of our control, right? Um, you know, if you have unfortunate health news about a loved one, you know, these are things that are outside of our control, but how do we establish boundaries for the things that we know are stressors and that we uh, can control. So, you know, it is not a good idea for me to spend a lot of time uh, doing work email late into the night. I have trouble unwinding my brain. Now, it's inevitable as an entrepreneur that I'm going to have to do things um, after I put my kids to sleep. But how do I just get the right balance? How do I say, okay, these are, you know, the 10 things I need to get done in 25 minutes. And that's the amount of time that I'm going to allot to myself and, and, and be really strict on those boundaries. It, you know, it's not a time to go down rabbit holes. It's not a time to like just do some ad hoc reporting and see what you uncover. But I have to be really diligent about those boundaries. Um, I can also get energized by, by talking to friends. And, you know, that's also not a good idea. Um, so... Yeah, I guess having having those boundaries and you know understanding the relationship with anxiety has been really you know important to me and controlling what you can't control and also just understanding that anxiety and stress is also you know can be a good thing that makes us you know the people we are today. I think it's a, a big part of the drive I have in life as well. So I try not to label it always as you know good or bad. It's a little bit of both. Um, doesn't have to be binary and um, being more conscious of it, applying those techniques to help manage the anxiety, because for me, anxiety and sleep are quite intertwined. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge learning. And it's, it's, uh, I think it's something that's very common is that, um, the, the correlation between mood and rest and sleep is, is very high of, um, you know, they're, they're linear. They can go yeah. up and down together. And so it's really important to be conscious of that and aware of that. Um, what do you think, you know, the difference is between rest and sleep? You know, I, I find that a lot of people 
get really stressed out thinking about sleep. Because if you do have disturbed sleep, right, for any of the three you know, reasons, you know, either difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, or waking up, this whole conversation around sleep can become so stressful that it causes more sleep issues. So let's let's shift and talk about maybe rest and, and how you view rest. I, I have been there where that time where you're like, oh, I'm going to be going to sleep in a few hours. And, you know, you already then have to, you know, have anxiety about what's to come. So I, mm-hmm. I understand um, that emotion. And, you know, I think with rest, it's about, you know, reprogramming kind of what that means to you and kind of rethinking of what are the things that, you know, allow you to unwind. And, maybe an actual rest of, you know, napping or whatever that entails. Um, but I, I think the, you know, the joy of, of hobbies and how those are, you know, kind of cousins of rest is, is, is really important. You know, is it needlework? Is it crafts? Is it reading a book that has nothing to do about work? Um, these are all things I need to like nudge myself to do. Um, but you know, what is it that allows you to unwind mentally? Um, because I think that's such an important, you know, piece, uh, as much as, you know, the physical rest is sometimes you, you just need to, to, to disconnect. It's also, you know, I watch television. I enjoy it. Um, it's a nice escapism for me. And, um, I'm very conscious about the type of programming I'm watching, especially at night. I'm not going to be watching something, um, that's violent, um, or could put me in an altered state for sleep. But I think, you know, we have to remember to find the joy in life and that joy and health and well-being shouldn't be binary. And I think, um, you know, especially when you look at kind of like the extremes of wellness, if mm-hmm. you go back to like the ultimate biohacking yep. life, you know, are, are, are you eating, um, you know, food that you, you can just take, take health and wellness to a place where you have stripped out all the joy. And, and I think that's an important thing that, you know, we need to remind ourselves. And at Mind Body Green, we had, you know, our New Year's mantra was about resolution joy and how do we cultivate, you know, these moments of joy. Um, I think it's one of the extraordinary gifts of childhood uh, and being able to, to mother um, our two daughters is, you know, they kind of bring you along on this journey. There's snow. They're so excited to go sledding, um, you know, and how they uh, take such joy in kind of these novel experiences that, you know, we take for granted. Yeah. So I love what you're saying here because, you know, joy uh, is another way to think about putting yourself in that state of rest, because what you're doing is you're shifting yourself into a relaxed state. You're down-regulating your nervous system is really the way I, I think about rest. And it's exactly what you've described, right? And so even when you were telling us about your, your daily sort of schedule of how you really view sleep and how you're very aware that you need to prioritize sleep throughout the day, to me, what was coming up is that you're actually prioritizing joy and rest throughout the day. It's like you're creating these touchstones throughout the day to downregulate your nervous system or to regulate your nervous system at all, because, you know, God forbid any of us regulates our nervous system, the world that we live in, right? There's a bazillion things coming at us all day long. And how often do any of us, you know, stop and pause and just take three mindful breaths? Right. That to me is rest because you're actually down regulating your nervous system and you're shifting into some kind of 
rest, even if it's just for 30 seconds, you are resting. And that's, that is that it has a profound effect and a cumulative effect over the day um, from my perspective. So that's, I think you're talking about joy. And I think that that's a beautiful way of thinking about it of, you know, what are some things that bring me joy throughout the day, whether it's sitting outside and looking at the park outside my house, you know, and blowing bubbles with my kids or, you know, just because I feel like it or reading a book or listening to some music or doing some crafts, you know, these are all things that can help shift us into that state of relaxation and rest that I think so many of us need. So I think you're, you're also touching on something that it's like being intentional about cultivating these moments. And, you know, the word intuitive is thrown around a lot in wellness. And I think there's a certain place for it. But I think, you know, for many of us, myself included, we can get so disconnected from, you know, what does bring us joy that we have to be intentional about creating these micro moments within our lives. You know, James Clear book on uh, atomic habits is, is one that I refer so often about how do you habit stack? How, how do you, you know, put the time on your calendar to ensure that you actually get these micro moments of joy, nervous system calming, you know, however we want to talk about them um, and become staples of your, your daily habits in life. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, habit stacking, linking to something that you already do, you know, a habit that you already have, you're brushing your teeth every day. How could you link something? If this is the awareness you need that, you know, that you need is to create these moments of rest and joy. How could you link something to that habit of brushing your teeth every morning? You know, does that mean that, you know, as soon as you're done brushing your teeth, you go and make some tea and you sit and you just enjoy the tea without taking it in a to-go cup or, you know, there's all these small ways that we can add these moments of joy and rest throughout our day. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. So thank you for bringing up the, I love the, the idea of, of joy, of cultivating joy of resolution joy. So I think maybe Maybe going into the new year, that should be my new resolution is this idea of joy. <laughs> so um, so let me ask you uh, one other thing about Mind Body Green really quickly before we go into some speed round questions. I have always been fascinated by the fact that you came up with this really great name, Mind Body Green. Um, and my computer always wants to autocorrect it and like make it three words and all that stuff. But how did you choose mind, body, green, like the green part, but then how did you start with mind? Like, where did that come from? Yeah. So back in 2009, the words health and wellness were, were obviously around, but did not have the cultural context that they have today. Mm-hmm. And so the values of mind, body, green have always been around mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, environmental well-being. And we believe that all these three, all these things are connected. Hence why mind, body, green is one word. And, you know, for so long within our journey of, you know, the company, uh, you know, kind of the importance of each of these pillars have, have, have risen, fallen. And when we started, it was all about nutrition, all about nutrition. That was the entry point for so many people. And why I think it was so popular is because uh, it was a place where you could immediately start to feel better, right? You sure. see that ROI so quickly. You have a good meal. You see next day, your digestion, how you feel, have a poor meal. Oh, you feel sluggish. It, it's just mm-hmm. an easier way to kind of like see that impact. Yeah. 
And as, you know, we've evolved as humans, you know, after such accelerated change over the past, uh, you know, 20 months, obviously, um, that we've all endured, you know, now we're seeing shockingly mental health and that pillar becoming more important and more of an entry point. We had, you know, this will be our, September will be our, our strongest traffic month by far um, that we've ever had in our, our journey as a company. And there was one day where, where traffic was particularly strong and I was connecting with our head of content. I was like, oh, it's all about sleep and trauma. So the, you know, the entry points for people are, are evolving. And, you know, of course, it's, it's just a kind of reflection on the, the trauma and the scar tissue that all of us are carrying in some way. Um, over the past 20 year or 20 months. And, you know, I, I love that book, The Body Keeps the Score. And I've had to, you know, reread it over the years to, to remind myself of, you know, the mental and physical connection between uh, the trauma we're experiencing and, and what is manifesting in our bodies. But the environment is something, you know, that in the early days, people were like, I get the mind body, but why the green? Right. <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, we've always had this belief in the interconnectedness of everything. And, you know, you cannot be in a state of wellness if your family, you know, the we or all the community in the world apart from us isn't in a state um, of equilibrium either. And I think we've, we've reached such a sad state with the environment, um, you know, code red, if you will, that uh, we all now realize that interconnectedness that you know, even if we don't have access to some of the the basic needs in, in life that, you know, through fires, through water, uh, you know, that we are not in a state of equilibrium. So I think there's an incredible awareness, especially among, you know, Gen Z, um, of the importance of the green and mind, body, green. And, you know, kind of a corollary is that is there's also a lot of anxiety within Gen Z about what's happening within the environment. And, you know, my, my good friend, Heather White has written a book on this, very subject. And I think it's, you know, going to affect so many things in the, in the coming decades. And I'm glad that they have such uh, a voice for, for change because it's going to be a a very difficult obstacle for us all to overcome. Yeah. And you know, what I appreciate so much about mind, body, green is actually, I mean, I, I understand totally your perspective, but when I look at things, I always look at things from an Ayurvedic lens. And to me, that's actually Ayurveda summed up because it's mind body in harmony with our world, with the environment, with nature. And so to me, it speaks volumes about what Ayurveda is and what I'm trying to do in this world, which is to help people understand that connection, that when you are connected to the natural world, to nature on a daily basis, on a seasonal basis, on a life stage basis, even on an astrological basis, you will have optimal health. And so I really appreciate the name Mind Body Green from another perspective as well. So, but thank you for sharing that with me. I I love that. You know, there are so many time-tested ancient traditions that, you know, kind of fall within our value set. So it's, you know, however, however we want to articulate the values, um, it's just been wonderful to see these time-tested traditions like Ayurveda becoming part of the zeitgeist. And, you know, in some ways I think of ourselves as the United Nations of wellness, you know, whether you're coming at it from an Ayurvedic perspective, whether you're coming at it from a TCM perspective, there are so much more commonality among a lot of these traditions than there are um, kind of differences. Yes. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, can I ask you a couple of speed round questions so that people can get to know you a little differently? 
Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Complete this sentence. Wellness is Um, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, environmental well-being. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) What is one myth about sleep that we need to change? That we only need five hours or less of sleep that we're, that we can get by on, on less sleep than our body needs. Um, I think that melatonin is something that needs some more observation for lots of people. Okay. Got it. <laughs> what is something that people often get wrong about you? I think depending on kind of where they're coming at, they either see the soul side of kind of mind, body, green, or the science side where I'll have people being like, oh, you guys didn't have a home birth? Um, or I see people who who think uh, kind of me and the manifestation of the brand is all science. And in, in a lot of ways, so many of the values of Mind, Body, Green are my personal values. And I, I do believe in this marriage of, of soul and science that I try to bring forward in my life. Got it. <laughs> they think you're one extreme or the other. I definitely birthed both babies at the hospital. <laughs> what is something that most people don't know about you? I grew up with peacocks in my backyard. No, you did not. I did. That's so cool. Why or how? <laughs> I do. The community that we live in, um, there's like two streets where there's a bunch of peacocks and it's been this uh, uh, point of contention in my parents' backyard neighborhood for, for decades. <gasps> oh my gosh, that's so cool. Um, what is one thing that you're really excited about right now? I'm really excited for, you know, the change in seasons and just, you know, a, a kind of re re-step of optimism. I think here in New York, there's optimism in the air, there's vibrancy in the air that we didn't have, you know, six months ago as a, as a community and a city. And it just feels different in a good way. Yeah, I would agree. I feel like there's something that has shifted in the past 30 days since uh, Labor Day, um, because I feel like in, in August, there was a lot of melancholy, a lot of stress, anxiety in Chicago as well. And I feel like that has shifted. So I, I completely agree with you. I'm glad to hear that it's in other cities too. Um, what is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? My family and my health. Yeah. What book is on your nightstand right now? Ooh, I just finished Emily Oster's new book um, on the family mission, which I really enjoyed. I heard about this book. I've heard it's really, really good. I'll have to pick it up. This is the second time I've heard about it in two weeks. So that means, that means I need to go get it. Um, what is a song that you're listening to on repeat right now? Um, so we program our uh, daughters share a bedroom and they go to bed every night listening to Jewel sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. So it is definitely on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Um, so if I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? We need to listen to our body. Mm, Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with me, Colleen. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed our conversation. Hopefully we'll get to meet IRL one day. I know. I hope so. I hope so. I would love that. But thank you so much for sharing your journey and your perspective. I think it's just so valuable. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. And if you're feeling really inspired, 
please leave a review so that others can find this podcast more easily. If you want to learn more, visit me on the interwebs at avantikumarsingh.com and you can subscribe to my newsletter where I send exclusive invites to my events, special announcements, and give you more self-healing tools and tips. And if you want to hang out even more with me, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You can find me at Avanti Kumar Singh, and we can connect more there. Until next time, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing, because healing starts within.